Icon Church, it's so good to be together, gathered together around God's Word. Even though we're online, we're still gathered together. And I just want to take this opportunity, the first time for me to speak in 2021, to say Happy New Year to everyone in Icon Church across all of our campuses this year. I'm really excited because we start the first sermon series of 2021, and it's called Open Plan. And this is a series about radical generosity. It's a series that's designed to help yours and my soul prosper. And I always feel like at the start of a year, the first series kind of sets our course for the year ahead. I don't know if you can remember back 12 months to January 2020, and our first series was called AIM. We actually drew a a huge um, uh, target on this stage. That was literally only 12 months ago. I know it seems like five years ago for those that can remember it. But this is a series about generosity. And I want to ask this question, what if generosity is the key to living the life that is truly life that was mentioned in those verses that Jeannie just read? Uh, Isaiah says earlier about the fact that the generous make a generous plan. And what if at the start of this year and the start of this series, Open Plan, we could have a plan to be generous throughout 2021? I want to say right off that generosity is not just about money. And uh, many people think that, that when you actually talk about generosity, you're just talking about money. But actually, it's not, not. It's about relationships, about our attitude, about kindness, about listening, about being emotionally and relationally generous too. It's about serving and caring for others. But today specifically, I want to talk about the generosity of God's grace. We're going to talk each week about aspects of generosity. I want to talk today about the generosity of God's grace. A newspaper in America called USA Today cited a report that surveyed the happiness and the contentment level of Olympic medal winners, gold, silver, and bronze medal winners. And there's no surprise who was the happiest. Of course, that was the gold medal winners were the happiest. You'd think that, wouldn't you, the gold medal winners. But what then surprised them was that the bronze medal winners were happier than the silver medal winners. And the reason for that was that the silver medalist thought, well, I came so close to winning gold, I missed out. But the bronze medalist thought, I almost never got any medal at all. I'm so grateful to be on the podium. You see, one reflects on what they have. The other reflects on what they don't have. The third place athlete, therefore, was happier than the second place athlete. And though we in our world right now, and particularly in the Western world, we have the highest standard of living ever recorded in history, we still suffer from what we could call silver medal syndrome, don't we? We never quite think we've got enough. We think to ourselves, well, maybe I can be generous or kind or compassionate when I've got more, when I've got enough. And we make so many plans in our life. And particularly at New Year, I I think it's good that we make all these plans to be a meal plan, maybe, an exercise plan. It's actually, have you noticed that an exercise plan is called a regime? That sounds like a dirty word to me, a regime. A career plan. But what about making a generosity plan? Believing that in 2021 that what I've got is enough 
for all that God wants for me and I can plan to be generous. So I want to encourage you over these next few weeks to have a plan to be generous throughout this coming year. And I wonder if what if contentment and generosity prove to be the key to having the life that is truly life. In his book called Enough, The Treasures of Money, Business and Life, a guy called John C. Bogle recounts an event that highlights the importance of contentment. At a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island, Kurt Vonnegut, that's a great name, isn't it, informs his pal Joseph Heller that their host, who's a hedge fund manager, has made more money in a single day than Heller had earned from his widely popular Catch-22 book over the whole of its history. But Heller responds like this. He says, yes, but I have something that he will never have. I have enough. You see, generosity, as I've said already, is more than money. It's more than giving. Generosity is about having a generous attitude, generous relationships, generous emotions in our life. And I think it's so important for us because I think in the West, many Western Christians have the silver medal syndromes. We know Jesus, but I've not quite got the life that is truly life. And we feel like somehow we're still missing out. What if generosity, embracing generosity could fix that? What if embracing generosity could make you and I realize what we have is way more than enough? What God has done for us in Jesus Christ is way more than enough. And now we can live our lives from a position of generosity. You see, I love this thought. It'll come on the screen that Jesus wasn't just born. He was given. For God so loved the world that he gave. God has and had a generosity plan. The scripture that Jeannie read in Isaiah earlier tells us that generous people plan generous things and they stand firm. They're actually solid in that generosity. And so I guess today I'm speaking about a conviction. I'm speaking about a way to live. And I want to encourage us over these next few weeks to have a generosity plan. And I want us to turn to the scriptures to teach us and to help us. The scriptures that God has given us that will teach us and help us how to do this. So I want to take us today to a portion in Luke's gospel where Jesus speaks about three aspects of generosity. And I want to talk about them today. Three aspects of generosity from these two passages in the gospel of Luke. The first is in Luke chapter 10, the first few verses. The second is in Luke chapter 9. In fact, it's that whole section I'm going to be referring to today. I want to read the verses, first of all, from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. It says this, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, 72, remember that, and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers. <laughs> come on, if, we were, if the room was full, I'd say, come on, let's all say that together. Let's all pray that together. More workers into his fields. Now go, Jesus said, and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. 
And then going back a chapter to the beginning of Luke chapter 9, it says this. One day, Jesus called together his 12, 72, 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want you to notice that in both passages, Jesus sends his disciples out. And we could actually say this, that sending and going are both acts of generosity. Sending and going are both acts of generosity. What Jesus says next, actually, if you were to read on to both groups, is practically identical. But the big difference between chapter 9 and chapter 10, I've highlighted already, is the numbers. In chapter 9, it's 12 disciples. In chapter 10, it's 72 disciples. But Jesus says four things to them. He says this, I want you to go and I want you to proclaim the kingdom of God. That's why we're doing church today. We're proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the message of Jesus. And proclaiming the kingdom of God is for the purpose of changing the mindsets of people. Sometimes we can be stuck in our life in worldly thinking, but there's a greater, a more expansive, healthier way to think. And so Jesus say, I want you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Change how you think and change how other people think and present the good news of God's kingdom. And don't you know that generosity is sometimes a challenge to us in our thinking. The second thing he says to them is cast out demons. And, you know, for me, this means to liberate the soul from what enslaves it. You know, God has a plan for your soul and my soul to prosper. He has a plan for every person on the planet to prosper, for our mind, our emotions, and our will to flourish. This is his desire. And so he says to us, go and cast out everything that opposes and stands against that way of prosperity in a person's soul. So often those things can be demonic. They can come from a a negative source within people's lives. And Jesus said, so proclaim the kingdom of God. Cast out demons. And then he says, heal the sick. Pray for people. Heal the sick. Attend to the bodily and physical needs of the people. Jane's already prayed for our frontline workers in the NHS here in the UK. And we thank that so much. But you know, it's also a command and a commission for the church for us to pray for one another and believe for healing in people's life. Because if people's health and our health matters to us, it matters to God as well. And then the fourth thing he says to both groups, pray for more laborers. The harvest is plentiful. There's much to be done. There's millions of people to reach. So pray for more laborers in the harvest field. All these four things are acts of generosity. And he says to his disciples, this is what I want you to do. These four things. So 12 and 72. Well, 12, he calls his disciples together. And the number 12 signifies Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Whenever we see the number 12, so often the significance is Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. But what about 72? What is that all about? I'm so glad you asked, You asked, and I'm so glad you're interested. Well, you have to go back to the Old Testament, to Genesis. You actually have to go back to Noah's story in the Old Testament. And in Genesis chapter 10, 
There's a list. It's known or referred to as the table of nations. When you and I read it, just in our uh, you know, English version of the Bible, it just looks like a list of names. But it's historically known as a table of nations. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint. And remember, in the world of Luke and the apostles, everything was Greek-speaking. That's what they would be reading, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And the New Testament, as we have it, was written originally in Greek. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, guess how many nations they were? You've got it. You're smart. You're icon church. Every other church that's watching, they've no idea. They're like, what? No, there were 72 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, 72 nations, the rest of the world, the rest of the world. So the commission from Jesus, proclaim the kingdom of God, cast out demons, heal the sick, pray for more laborers. That commission is for Israel, but it's also for the whole world. And 72 meant every subsequent disciple of Jesus It includes you and me. We are also sent on this mission to serve others. We're sent to the whole world. This is the generosity of God's grace. And we're sent to do those four things that we mentioned before. Here they are. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Change mindsets. Cast out demons. Liberate the souls of people. Heal the sick. And to pray for more laborers. This is the generosity of service. We've been sent to serve others. We've been sent to love others. We've been sent to use our privilege, and we are privileged, on behalf of others. We call it in the church, don't we? We have been blessed to be a blessing. That's what this means, blessed to be a blessing. We've been sent to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. That's why in every service, and including this way, You know, we teach the scriptures. We proclaim the kingdom of God. We give people an opportunity to receive Jesus, and we'll do that today. That's why as a church, we're doing Alpha starting in this month of January. And we want everybody to be included in praying for three friends, inviting people to come and join the Alpha course so that they can ask questions and explore what it means to understand the kingdom of God and actually to come into a relationship with Jesus. We had an incredible message sent to us this week from a member of our church and they sent us a message saying I've got a family member who I've been praying for for years. I've actually been telling them about Jesus and witnessing to them about Jesus for years but they've always strongly rejected my faith. They've always strongly rejected the message of Jesus but this week that family member sent me a message. They sent me a message that they had given their life to Jesus and that straight away they feel lighter and they feel different. And the message ended like this, I can't wait there to bring them to church with me. This is the generosity of serving others, loving others. Are we doing everything we can right now to serve God's kingdom? I wonder what God is calling you to today. 
in terms of serving God. What is God calling you to today in 2021? For some of you, I felt this prophetically as a prophecy, that God is calling you and will call you in 2021 to things you've never thought of, things you've never seen yourself doing, that God will call you to use your gifts in a new way during this year. I wonder, can you believe that for yourself? Can you believe that your generosity of service will go to a whole nother level in 2021? Generosity means we have a plan to serve. It's our open plan. It's our generosity plan. The second thing in this passage that Jesus teaches us is first the generosity of service. Go and do these things. But the second is the generosity of worship. There's a passage in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10 that many people pass over. And they pass over because it says some things and we think, well, that can't be true. That can't really mean what it says. Have you ever read that in the Bible? Well, that, that can't be true. But I want to share it with you today and I want to explain it to you, the generosity of worship. It's in Luke chapter 9 verses 57 to 62. And it says this, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have holes, dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. Jesus invites him to follow him. The man says, yes. But he then said, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Let the dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the kingdom of God. Still another, a third said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If we talked about the generosity of service, and that's what Jesus wants, but I I believe the generosity of service is not possible without first embracing the generosity of worship. And Jesus uses these three people to reveal truths about generous worship. And I want us to remember this morning who worship is for. Worship is for God. Again, if the room was full, I'd say, let's all say that together. Worship is for God. Because, you know, sometimes as a pastor, people come to me and say, I didn't enjoy the worship today. And guess what I want to say? It wasn't for you. It was for God. It was for God. I love it. At Icon Church, worship is on fire. And the presence of God is so powerful. And you can feel it in your living room. You can feel it in your kitchen. And you can feel it in your bedroom, wherever you're watching the service. But I have to remember today that it's not for me. It's for God. It's my offering to God. You see, we're not gathering online today. This is not our Christian entertainment slot. We're gathering in obedience to Jesus who says, do not forsake your gathering together, and we're gathering to worship God. So let's dive into these three people. Here's the first person. I'll I'll go, Jesus. I'll follow you wherever. 
And Jesus, look what Jesus says to the guy. Slow down. You're moving too fast. You've not weighed this up. You've not thought this through. Jesus replies that way with this, this thought. Foxes have holes, dens to go to. Birds have nests where they can go to. But Jesus is saying to the man, I've not got anywhere. I can't guarantee where this leads. And when you say you will follow me wherever, that means that you will worship me whatever happens. You've got to weigh that up. You've got to realize the generosity of worship means that I'm sending you out, remember, as lambs among wolves. That's the generosity of worship. You've got to think it through. You've got to, you've got to know that it will call you to worship Jesus no matter what happens in our life. The second person says, well, I'll follow you, but, but let me go and bury my father. Here's what Jesus says to that person. Speed up. You're moving too slow. The first person's going too fast. The second person is going too slow. You've got to put me first. You see, you need to understand that this was written in a patriarchal society where even if you were married, the father of the man the, or the oldest male member of the family was still in charge. So when Jesus is calling his first disciples and his cousins James and John leave their father Zebedee's fishing business, the Bible says they left their nets at once to follow him. We've no idea how radical that is, how radical that worship is. That is radical generosity towards God because you just don't do that. It would mean in a patriarchal society that any decision that Nathan wanted to make in his family, my eldest son, he'd have to run by me. Or Josh, my middle son, or Sam, my youngest son. We could actually go back to those days. I'd be happy. No, I wouldn't. No, let them get on with their life. But Jesus says, you've got to worship me first. Come on, speed up. You're moving too slow, he says to this man. The third person is similar. Hear the language of the man is, let me first do this. I'll follow you. I'll worship you. I'll follow you, but let me first do this. Or I'll follow you. I'll worship you if. If I can do this. And Jesus is saying worship is our generous act towards God. And of course when Paul speaks of worship. Which we'll read later. He calls it an offering of our souls. So Jesus says to this man. You can't come with conditions. It's quiet even in this room with just a few people. You can't say Lord I'll do this for you. If you do this for me. I'll serve you, Jesus, if you get me a good job. I'll serve you in 2021 if my salary goes up. I'll serve you if that girl I like, if that boy I like, that kind of kind starts liking me, I'll serve you. I'll serve you, Jesus, get, just get me a bigger house. No, you can't come with conditions. And I know many of us have done this. And God is gracious to us. But at some point, you have to get past this. You have to drop your conditions. Generosity of worship means you serve God. You see, we often say, don't we, at Icon Church, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. But relationships grow and relationships should deepen. You see, if I'm as selfish today as I was the day Jesus 
married me, not Jesus, Jeannie married me. I went with that. I knew I'd got it wrong in my head, but I went with it. If I was as selfish today as I was the day that Jeannie married me, then our relationship hasn't gone anywhere. It's not deepened. And honestly, I would tell you, we would have a terrible marriage. If you or I would manipulate our spouse like maybe we manipulated our parents, then our relationship hasn't grown. It hasn't gone anywhere. And Jesus says, saying, your worship has to be generous. And this gen- it has to be this generous. You have to drop conditions. You have to put me first. You have to worship me whatever happens and wherever it leads. And I wonder today for you and for me, for all of us, where, where is Jesus and his kingdom when it comes to our worship? We've got to drop our conditions. We've got to drop our hates. Uh, hates and we've got to drop our hurts. And we've got to say, Jesus, I will worship you first. Whatever else is going on around me, that will not sway my worship. I wonder at the beginning of 2021, do you and I need to recalibrate our loves in 2021? It's a great time to do it. I always think the start of a new year is a wonderful opportunity. And I want to encourage you. We've got seven days of fasting starting today, starting after our evening service tonight. And and we're fasting because we want to see the kingdom of God come. We want as a church to proclaim the kingdom of God, to change mindsets, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. We want to see more laborers sent into the harvest field. Will you join us in that seven days of fasting to put God's kingdom first? You know, this is one way that we can worship God this week with radical radical generosity and at the start of this year what a great opportunity to get involved because I said earlier didn't I the way you start a year often can set the course so I want to ask you every day this coming week would you give up something for something and someone greater would you give up a meal two meals maybe even the whole day so that you can put the kingdom of God first come on get involved just head to our website so that you can get involved. I want to read that verse I, I mentioned that the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12.1 about our worship. He says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Can you see who worships for? It's for God. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And finally, I want to talk about, I've talked about the generosity of service. I've talked about the generosity of worship. But my thoughts today are all centered around the generosity of God's grace. I wonder if any of us have got challenged today by the teaching of Jesus. I know it challenges me. And I believe that generosity of service is impossible without the generosity of worship. But the generosity of worship at the level that Jesus says in those stories is impossible without the revelation of the generosity of God's grace. You know, Jesus often had to teach his followers about God's grace. In Luke chapter 9, verses 49 to 50, The scripture says this, that John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him you can't do that. We told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus says, 
don't stop him. It's got an exclamation mark. Don't do that. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Master, John says, we saw someone doing what you told us to do. I wonder what John was really feeling. I wonder if they were feeling maybe jealous. They were feeling this was not right. I wonder if they were feeling this is not one of us who's doing this. And he was saying to Jesus, we should stop them, surely. In fact, the Greek for what they were doing is we saw someone who was not following us. We weren't taking the lead on this. We weren't prominent in this. Can you see what's in John's heart? And Jesus says, leave them be. Leave them be. You see, Jesus had to teach John and his brother James about God's grace several times. They were known as the sons of thunder, you might remember. I mean, look at the next few verses. Here, John, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 55, it says, As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. They wanted nothing to do with him. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Let me just read that again. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? You know, I, I mean, have you ever prayed that prayer? Jesus, would you torch that person? These guys have been with Jesus for three years, and they still want to torch the Samaritans. You know, this is so important, because unless we get a revelation of the grace of God, the grace of God towards us, and the grace of God towards others, we will not understand the kingdom of God or our place in it. In 1904, in Wales, there was a revival. Within one year, 100,000 people became followers of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? But soon, that revival, which had a passion for serving Jesus, and a passion for following Jesus, and a passion for reaching people, quickly turned from relationship to religion. So much so that 50 years later, swings and slides in Wales were still being disabled on Sundays because what's not permitted is anyone looking like they're enjoying themselves. How quickly revival can become religion. You see, Jesus did not come to bring judgment. He came to bring grace. You know, everyone is calling down fire today, aren't they? Just turn on your computer. We live in a gotcha. Cancel them. It's someone else's fault culture. You know, I mean, just look at this week. We've seen people, just just thinking of America, we've seen people. Let's torch the Democrats. Let's do that. Let's torch Trump. Turn on your computer. You've got these things going off all the time. Listen, the only way for our church and for our world to be healed is through a revelation of God's grace. Only the gospel of grace has the power to transform our lives. Otherwise, we're going to be like James and John. Torch them. Can we call down fire upon them? 
We need to embrace fully the gospel of God's grace and not the folly and falsehood of religion. And every time you want to torch somebody, that's a religion, a religion of some form or another. Maybe sometimes I can't extend the grace to others because I don't realize how much grace God is extending to me every single day. How much grace God is extending to me every single hour, every single moment. I forget that I'm undeserving. I'm unworthy of God's grace. And yet, I'm still a recipient of God's grace. And I'm still called a child of God. God. Jesus didn't come to bring laws, but grace. Jesus came with truth, not just opinion. Jesus is not mad at us. He loves us. Grace means God is showing favor to us. Favor that's undeserved. Favor that cannot be earned. And when you realize that, the only response you've got is to receive it and to show that to others. When you realize that Jesus gave himself for us, that willingly he went to the cross for our forgiveness, that willingly he went to that cross to reveal the extent and the magnitude of his love, and that on the cross he literally shows the lengths he will go to to have a relationship with us. When you truly have that revelation, all you can do is surrender. All you can do is worship. All you can do is love him back. All you can do is serve There's an older hymn. I've thrown this in for you, Mama, if you're watching. It says this. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let me just say that again. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Well, as I draw to a close, we're in lockdown three. And I wonder what you're doing to... Get yourself through lockdown three. Maybe you're looking for a new Netflix series to get you through lockdown three. I've started watching The West Wing again. And uh, it's on all four, by the way. There are other good channels available. But, uh, you know, best TV ever. So I think uh, this time is like my third or fourth time through watching The West Wing. But I was wondering, what about using this lockdown to focus on a revelation of God's grace? I've decided to do this. I've decided personally to read the New Testament in 90 days. Just to go through, and I'm, I'm doing it bit by bit. I'm not, I'm not starting at Matthew and going all the way to Revelation. I'm picking a book in the middle and picking something else. And Do you know all that takes is three chapters a day? Three chapters a day, and in three months, before Easter, you will have read the whole New Testament. And I can't tell you what that's doing to my soul. You see... I had this revelation. Maybe this was personal. I wonder if the guys can put it on the the screen. You could become great at FIFA in the next 90 days. Or you could have a revival in your soul. What about that? Maybe I'd rather be okay at FIFA and have a revival in my soul. Because I'm not sure I can do both. I believe we need a revelation of God's grace more than ever. I believe our world needs a revelation of God's grace more than ever. I want to encourage you, Icon Church. Come on, join me. Do something. Read the New Testament in the next 90 days, whatever it is. Do something at the beginning of this year that will be the foundation for the rest of the year to come. 
I want to encourage you. Join with us as a church in fasting and believing for God's kingdom to come. Join with us in praying for Alpha and inviting people onto our Alpha course that starts next week. Set your course, set your aim, your direction for 2021. Have a generosity plan, a generosity plan that includes service, a generosity plan that includes worship, and a generosity plan that includes a revelation of God's grace in your own soul. That's the focus of this message today, the generosity of God's grace. You know, the scripture is full of it. And the scriptures teach us this, that God doesn't wait until we deserve his grace because we never will. We cannot. Our default as humans won't allow it. But God gives us his grace anyway because that's who he is. That's who he is. That's how much he loves us. And despite our undeserving nature and our inability to earn it, God loves us so much that he gives his grace to us. The Bible says that he actually gives his grace, his favor to us lavishly and unconditionally. And all he asks us to do is receive it and pass it on. Receive it and pass it on. This is our generosity plan. Pass it on in the form of service, radical service. I wonder what is God calling you to do Pass it on in the form of worship, radical worship. I wonder what is God calling you to do? Maybe it is the time to recalibrate our loves, our passions at the beginning of this year. Receive it. Receive the grace of God in the form of surrender. And maybe you're watching this message today and maybe you've joined our Icon Church stream today online, maybe a friend invited you or you just found us. I don't think you're here by accident. You're here because God loves you and God has got a plan for your life. And I want to invite you today to start a relationship with Jesus. Or if you're saying, Paul, I once knew God and I once walked with God and I once had a relationship with Jesus, I'm inviting you today to start again to begin again and to come home and to relaunch that relationship with God. So whether for the first time you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you today to make that decision right now. Or you you once had a relationship with God, but you've walked away. I'm encouraging you to come home and restart that relationship today. In the comments, in the chat, if you're watching on Church Online, there's a button that says raise hand that you're committing your life to Jesus, that you're saying yes, you're saying, Paul, that's me, please pray for me. If that's you, I want you to press that button right now. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there's a link. And in that link, it it, it says raise hand. I want you to click that link right now and say, Paul, that's me, please pray for me in this moment. This is my decision to follow Jesus. So right now, there's the button and there's the link. I want you to press those right now. I'm going to wait for five seconds just to give you an opportunity to do that. Then I'm going to pray for every person who will press that button and press that link over today in the life of our church. We'd love you too on on the back of that to leave us some details. It just takes you to a place where you can leave some details because we want to send you a free gift just to help you on this journey. So come on, if that's you today, 
and you need to start a relationship with God, you've never surrendered your life to him, this is the day for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Click that button, click that link. Or you need to come home today because you once walked with him, but you're not walking with him today. And at the beginning of 2021, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. Come on, click that button, click that link. I'm just going to wait five seconds. Five, four, three, two. Click that button now, click that link. One. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I'm going to believe that as I pray, that you will know the peace of God. Just like that story I told earlier of that person who said, I surrendered my life to Jesus and I feel lighter. Already I feel something different going on in my life. I'm going to believe that you'll sense that too. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every person across the life of Icon Church that will click that button, click that link. I thank you for every person that in their heart will make a decision to follow you today. And I pray that they will sense you with them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will lift their burdens. Father God, I pray that you will free their mind. I pray that you will give them a peace where they've not had peace. I pray that you will come into their heart, into their life, into that situation, and that they will know that you're with them. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we just want to celebrate all of those that will make that decision across Icon Church today. So come on, if you're in the comments, church, if you're in the chat, why don't we just applaud, send some clapping emojis and applaud all those people who will make that decision today. That's been the first part of this series called Open Plan. And I want to challenge all of us. Let's have a revelation of the generosity of God's grace in our lives. Let's take these next 90 days from now till the end of March, till Easter, to do something that will cause the grace of God and the generosity of God's grace to flood our souls in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much. Let's join together and worship God again.